The Land of the Free Podcast, Episode 6. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. The main reason we went into Iraq at the time was we thought he had weapons of mass destruction. It turns out he didn't. If we have not gotten our troops out by the time I am president, it is the first thing I will do. I will get our troops home. We will bring an end to this war. You can take that to the bank. I'm tired of, tired of being peaceful and tired of being calm. You know, I ain't, I ain't peaceful. I ain't no protest. I'm violent. Rocks and bottles, and you can see tear gas canisters being fired. There are reports of, of gunshots also being fired. If I could have gotten 51 votes for an outright ban, I would have done it. Hey everybody, John Morris here with Land of Free Podcast. Today's episode, I want to talk about feelings and facts. Feelings don't change facts. So I had someone who happens to be in law enforcement and is part of a group that I belong to on Facebook and we kind of go over, go back and forth chatting with each other and so forth. And just today he had posted some stuff about how there was a car wreck that he had had to deal with and he had had, had to make the call to inform the family of one of the people in the car wreck that that person had passed away and kind of went off, not really went off, but kind of went on kind of needling about the fact that the person was speeding the 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 person that that caused the accident was speeding they're also texting while driving and the person who died in the accident wasn't wearing a seatbelt and now obviously I know you're not a part of this group but it was obvious from the group dynamic and the discussions that we'd been having that he was kind of needling at me about a discussion we'd have we had had about objective versus subjective laws and in that discussion i had essentially forced them to admit that certain laws are subjective and certain laws are objective that you know speeding going 60 miles an hour when the sign says 55 isn't objectively immoral it's just there's a law that we arbitrarily came up with Maybe you have your reasons why, but it, regardless, it's still arbitrary, so it's subjective. And that down the road a mile, the sign might say 60 and you'd be just fine. So it's completely arbitrary versus something like murder or theft that is objectively immoral, that we can move from the facts of reality to objectively define that murder is immoral or that theft is is immoral. And there's a difference between those kinds of laws. And my point in the original argument was that we should probably get rid of most of our subjective laws. That there most of them are based off whim. Most of them are based off one group of people forcing their idea of what's right on another group of people. And they're often those are the laws that are a cause of a lot of the issues that we have both in this country and just in and around the world, is subjective laws. And that, again, we should get rid of most of them. And so today, of course, is now a needling me with, well, 
you know, this person died because the the other person was speeding and texting and because he wasn't wearing his, his seatbelt and so forth. And so I want to address this because you're going to get this a lot, you know, and you may be somebody listening to this who makes this argument. And the point I want to make is that feelings do not change facts. That the fact that you're really emotional about someone dying because someone else was doing something stupid, which by the way, I think that depending on how much, but there's a point where I I can subjectively feel or say that speeding is dumb, right? If you're going 120 miles an hour on a 25 mile an hour residential street, as an extreme example, I can call that dumb and I'll feel okay saying that. I understand that's still my opinion. I understand it's a completely objective but I can still say that I think that's dumb. I can say that texting while driving I think is dumb because it does it does increase the likelihood of you getting in a car wreck, of you killing yourself or someone else. So I think it's dumb. I also happen to think riding motorcycles are dumb. Now, I believe that because I've had family members who've gotten in multiple family members who've gotten in multiple wrecks because of motorcycles. And I think people who ride motorcycles without helmets are especially dumb. But I don't think that I should have the right to tell them they can't. And so my feelings about a particular situation or scenario don't don't change the fact that there are certain laws that are subjective and there are certain laws that are objective. No matter how bad you feel about the person who died in that car accident, which I, I do. I don't, I don't like that someone died in that car accident. Uh, car wreck. That doesn't feel good to me. I don't like that. But it doesn't change the fact that speeding and texting while driving and not wearing your seatbelt are all subjective laws. Now, I think you should probably do them, but it's absolutely your right to choose not to, and you have to pay the consequences. And if you look at the scenario, the people involved did. The person who's speeding while texting ended up causing a wreck and the actual action of causing a wreck whether intentional or because of negligence is an objective crime that hitting someone else in your car is an objective crime we can say that but what led up to it is subjective and so he's going to pay the price for what he did both legally and emotionally and mentally the person not wearing the seatbelt unfortunately also paid a price. And at the end of the day, that's how subjective laws should be handled, is that people should be personally responsible. They should pay the consequences of the actions they take. And so, again, no matter how bad you feel about it, it doesn't change those laws from being subjective to objective. You can appeal to emotion all you want, but it doesn't change fact. And it doesn't change the fact that in most cases, or in a lot of cases, subjective laws are in and of themselves immoral because of the lack of consent that we have in our system. The fact that I can't opt out from the system I'm in. I don't have a choice. When I'm born, I if I'm born in the United States, I have to be a citizen of this country. 
I have to get a social security card. I don't have it. I have to pay taxes. I now have to get health care. I don't have a choice in that regard. There's no consent. Consent isn't, and the common refrain to that is, well, if you don't like it, you can leave. Now, the people who make that argument don't, most of the time, don't know where it came from. That actually came from Socrates speaking about Athens and talking about implicit consent when it comes to a social contract. Hey, now, those people most of the time aren't going to be able to tell you that, and I don't want to sound like some snooty <laughs> intellectual here, but when you're making an argument that has a source and you don't know that source and don't know what the argument actually is, it's a little bit silly. But if you actually look at what Socrates said, he said that if you don't like it, you could leave because you could leave. That was his point. That if it could be reasonably assumed that someone who remained in Athens implicitly agreed to the laws and the rule of Athens because they hadn't left yet and they hadn't returned to a quote-unquote state of nature, which is the term that's used in kind of social contract theory. They hadn't done that. So it could be assumed that by staying there, they implicitly agreed. Now, the problem with that today is there's nowhere I can go that that would be considered a state of nature that's outside of some government jurisdiction. There's no place to go on this planet. So it's not a choice between staying under a social contract or moving to a state of nature. It's simply a choice between different social contracts for which I have no choice but to adhere to if I go to a certain geographical area. So the idea that implicit consent can exist based off of what Socrates said is silly. So again, without consent, then you have a situation where subjective laws are immoral. If I explicitly consented and said, yes, I agree to the system that we currently have, whatever the outcome may be, and that if at some point I decide, you know, I had the option to reject my consent wholly and not get any of the benefits, but also not have any of the requirements. If I could do that and I consented, then subjective laws aren't immoral because I've agreed to it. It's just like if you go to work for an employer, the rules that that employer has aren't immoral. If they say you got to sweep the floor, that's not immoral. It's not slavery because you have an option. You've consented to be governed by those rules and you can leave at any time and you can return to a state of not being employed if you don't want or being employed with someone else, etc. You can actually legitimately leave that. And that employer won't continue to claim jurisdiction over you. If I go to work for Pizza Hut while I'm there and at work and employed, then yes, if I want to keep my job they have jurisdiction. But if I quit, Pizza Hut doesn't come to my house and say, hey, you need to come sweep the floor still. They don't try and claim continued jurisdiction over me if I reject my consent, which is totally opposite from what governments do. 
Because if you live in a certain geographical area, then you are automatically governed by the rules of that particular area or by the rules of the government that claims jurisdiction in that area, whether you consent or not. And that goes exactly against the whole idea of the consent of the governed. Here's the thing that people that argue this miss, is that governments don't exist pre-consent. Governments are based off the consent of the governed. If the governed don't give consent, the government doesn't exist. So governments do not exist pre-consent, and they don't have jurisdiction where that consent has not been given. And I own my property, and so if I don't give consent, they do not have jurisdiction on this property. That's the way it should work. But in a situation like we have when it comes to governments, you can't do that. You can't just simply be left alone. And so those subjective laws become one group of people forcing their idea of what's right on another group of people, and they themselves become inherently immoral. And the fact that you feel really bad about someone who got hurt, which is okay, I'm there with you, but it doesn't change fact. It doesn't change the fact that objective and subjective laws exist. It doesn't change the fact that speeding and texting while driving and not wearing a seatbelt are subjective laws. It doesn't change the fact that the system that we have, where we force our ideas of what's right on other people at gunpoint, it doesn't change that fact or the fact that that's immoral. So that's a really long and convoluted way of saying that's not an argument. I wanted to ask you this. Have, have you ever noticed, I've noticed this in my dealings with family and friends and so forth, just attempting to spread the ideas of liberty and anarcho-capitalism. But have you ever noticed that what you run into often is ultimately the public public school education system? That the people that you interact with, there's this foundation of just erroneous beliefs or thoughts about the way that you know, our country was formed and all, all the things that happened throughout history, just this kind of skewed view of history. And it's very, very difficult for you to, to get around that, to really have any sort of conversation because there's just this mountain of misinformation that you have to deal with. And I think that this is, you know, probably the most uh, the biggest roadblock that that we have that we face when it comes to spreading the ideas of liberty and really creating uh, a more open and free society. And so that's why I think homeschooling for my own kids is one of the most important things that anybody that I can be doing and I feel like that anybody can be doing to help really spread the ideas of liberty to just save your kids from that mountain of in- misinformation. I know a lot of a lot of people, when they start thinking about homeschooling, get a little nervous of, well, man, you know, am I going to be able to teach them all of this and all of that? Are they going to be able to read and write and learn this and learn? The most important thing that you can do is to simply 
not teach them all of this bad information. You've, you've almost done your job if you can simply save them from that. And so that's why I've moved to homeschooling my kids. And I know in doing that, it can be a little bit overwhelming and there's, there's a lot to figure out and pieces to put together. And so that's why I constantly recommend ronpaulhomeschool.org as a resource to help you with that, to give you the curriculum and the information in all of the different subject areas, math, science, etc., along with the Liberty Education to help you be able to homeschool your kids and save them from that mountain of misinformation. So I highly, highly recommend A, homeschooling if you can, and B, using ronpaulhomeschool.org as a resource for you to have the information to effectively homeschool your kids. So again, you can head on over to ronpaulhomeschool.org and sign up for the Ron Paul Homeschool curriculum. Hey, have you subscribed yet? You must be a statist if you haven't subscribed yet. Well, let's get that corrected. Head on over to landofthefreepodcast.com slash iTunes slash SoundCloud or slash YouTube and subscribe to the channel and quit being a statist.